podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. All right, sorry about that. Okay. The link is sent out. What a difference a week makes. Vibes absolutely 180 from where they were this time last week. This time last week, K-State reeling after back-to-back road losses versus teams bottom of the conference this week. Vibes are high. Back-to-back wins over top 20 teams in Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good times. I was spazzing out last week. My mood was not great, but hey, all it takes is a nice second half comeback uh, to beat the shit out of Iowa State, and then hey, guess what? Uh, pretty similar script happened. Uh, versus Baylor as well. We will get everyone's takes on that as well as predictions for this weekend's away game at Oklahoma State and Senior Night next Wednesday versus Oklahoma. Before we get into it, this show is sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, it's the best brewery in Kansas. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, But I'll continue to do it, not only because they're a sponsor, but I'm passionate about the product. It is the most delicious craft beer in the world. Do you like light, refreshing? Boom, they have it. Do you like some IPAs, some that'll melt your face, some that are just a nice little bit of hops? They got that. Are you more more of a malt head? Do you like a good malty beer? Guess what? They have that too. Sours, everything under the rainbow. You can get over at Manhattan Brewing Company. They also have a fully stocked bar for signature cocktails as well. I think it's almost time, you know, we've been successful, you know, bothering liquor stores in the Kansas City Metro uh, to the point that they will be here in the Kansas City Metro four packs this spring. I think it is now time almost to bully friend of the show, Gene Taylor and K-State until they figure out a new, uh, you know, beer deal so we can get Manhattan Brewing Company beer in Bramlage Coliseum and up at the beer garden this fall. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, I, don't, I don't want Gene to hate me, but who knows? Gene may never come on the show again, so I'm not too worried about it. All right, let's get into it. Just real quick, I, I said uh, up top, uh, I was melting, melting down. I was not feeling great. My vibes were not high. It was not a good run of games uh, in Big 12 play. But the doctor ordered up two uh, come-from-behind, come-from-behind wins over top 20 teams uh, at home. And now all of a sudden, everything is feeling good. Everything is feeling back to normal. Uh, vibes are high. It sounds like drum tank. Maybe has found the secret sauce, giving the guys a little bit of rest, get their legs under them. Um, I'm excited to see what happens on Saturday. Again, 
It's an away game at Oklahoma State. My guess is Vegas is going to have us as the underdog. Granted, we're the underdog at home versus Baylor. Uh, but we've seen what's happened. We've seen what's happened on the road. Um, nothing would shock me. And then, again, we got uh, senior night versus Oklahoma as well. It's going to be a very fun uh, run-up, final few games until Kansas City, until postseason play. I'm pumped about it. I want to hear your guys' reaction from those two back-to-back ranked wins. I'm going to start off with uh, the man, maybe the smartest basketball mind I know, Jimmy Goheen. Uh, Jimmy, uh, two games where K-State has to come from behind going into intermission uh, behind Iowa State. I I believe it was eight points. Baylor, it was like three or four um, after Baylor goes on a 21-3 run after K-State had it up double digits early. Um, What is the big takeaway you're going to have from these two back-to-back top 20 wins in Bramlage? I think the biggest thing that I pulled is is the improvement on defense and really winning those two games with defense. Although we, we scored well against Baylor, we didn't score very well against Iowa State. Of course, they're one of the best defenses in the league, if not the country, but uh, played great defense. You know, I was – the defense against Iowa State was really impressive. We held them to under 0.85 points per possession, which is really, really good. But it was really almost more impressive against Baylor since they were – Coming into the game, they were the number two efficiency offense in the country, and we held them to under 1.0 points per possession, which, you know, if you follow that stuff, it's it's really, really good. Uh, they had one stretch where they, you know, made shots and outscored us 21-3, to three, but the rest of the game we pretty much dominated. So um, I would say just seeing the defense improve to a level that we are winning games with our defense and not relying on our offense and just making shots kind of like we were early in the season when we beat Texas and Baylor on the road. That's a great point. Again, uh, being able to win uh, with the defense for the first time, really uh, in all of big 12 play, I guess uh, that West Virginia game and even that Oklahoma state game, those were kind of games in a blender as well, but to do that over two quality opponents, that was a big one. Uh, so I like that call out. Let's go to Ema Elvis next. I know he was in the octagon last night after visiting Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, Ema Elvis, how big are these two? They are huge. Basketball is fun again for K-State, for the coaches, for the players, for the fans. And the secret sauce here, I think, is not only impressive defense, but valuing possessions. And keeping turnovers low. Um, only 11 turnovers against Iowa State, I believe, and seven against Baylor. That's pretty impressive for this group who's been known to get up around 20 and even over 20 uh, at times. But I remember during the Cayman Islands Classic uh, to the media, Tang said that the goal for the season was to have games with 11 or fewer turnovers. And that's what they did this week, and that wins ball games if you play good defense as well. And they had the toughness uh, toughness to come back uh, in both games and hold leads. Um, Marquise uh, not having a good shooting night last night. He did everything else right. Made all of his free throws. He made 10 free throws of his 14 points. Uh, eight of those came in the second half, and most of them late when they really counted and and all Baylor could do is keep fouling to try to 
get back in the game and hope that he would miss, but he never did. Uh, so that, that was an impressive game, the way he managed the game as well. Zero turnovers for Marquise. Love it. Yeah, and I've been hard on Marquise Noel, not only on this show, but uh, in my group chats as well with his uh, streak of turnovers. Him putting that performance together uh, was something that I loved to see. Uh, and, and honestly, if he can keep it, you know, at three, even four or less with as much usage, as much uh, time he has with the ball in his hands, I think that's a great night. And him being able to go for another points and assists double-double, amazing. Also, I I think it might have been maybe the only time anyone has ever had 10 assists with zero turnovers versus a top-10 team. I think Tom Gilbert tweeted that out today. Um, Let's go to – we'll go to Will the Thrill next. Will, thoughts on these last two ranked wins? Absolutely amazing. Um we, I was worried that seeing the first half of that Iowa State game, we just weren't going to be able to snap out of it. But um, the last, what, three quarters have been pretty electric. Um, just doing a better job taking care of the ball. Like, kind of like uh, what Emal Elvis has said and Jimmy. I mean, the la- the um, possession of the ball has been important. They haven't turned it over. And um, rebounds, we're getting the rebounds as well. Um, all of that stuff has accumulated to where we're sorry, we're starting to um, maybe not get the shots that we want, but um, our turnovers, you know, we're, we're valuing that more, I should say. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And if we could just, uh, you know, and I was sweeting a little bit with Jimmy last night. Uh, if we could just find a way to convert some of these offensive rebounds we're occasionally getting as well, uh, I'd have nothing to complain about. So uh, if those turnovers are fixed and if we can get, you know, a handful of buckets off of offensive rebounds, uh, there's nothing I can be critical about on Twitter or in my group chat. So uh, maybe they need to, you know, give me a little something to be a little salty about. So we'll go to Colorado cold next out there in the Rocky mountains. Cole, Back-to-back, top 20 wins. Uh, things are looking well. Uh, this week was just what the doctor ordered after, uh, you know, those previous two uh, losses. What are the vibes like out in college? You know, Scott, right now it is colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra. That The vibes are good inside my house because the cats are cooking. Um, it's crazy how much can change in a week. I was feeling pretty gloomy this time last week and it almost seemed like a win against Baylor was going to be next to impossible you know looking at the way that they were playing at the time and the way that we were playing at the time but that's just the big 12 this year a lot can happen in a short amount of time um but no it was great to see us play what I would call some well-rounded games um we we beat some some very good teams without relying on shooting out the gym, which I think is great to uh, you know for the guys to kind of get a groove without relying on shooting. Um. So yeah, overall, can't really complain about much. Um, I think it's great to see, especially Marquise, 
and obviously Ish Masood find ways to have a good game, even if the shots aren't falling. And Marquise last night was a perfect example of that. You really can't ask for much more from a starting point guard. Yeah, I think it was a old school kind of like pass first point guard type game uh, from Marquise Noel, a game that might have made, you know, junior year Clint Stewart smile, you know, a little bit of Cam Stokes almost uh, when Cam was really distributing during the back end of his time at K-State. Uh, I love that, and I like that you brought up Ishmael because I really thought in that Iowa State game, I know he ended up with nine points, but it wasn't like he had 12 points and shot the lights out. I think Ish, especially in that Iowa State game, I was getting bodies on guys, really being physical on defense, and when shots went up, uh, trying to get rebounds or clearing out the way for someone else to grab a rebound. So I'm glad you brought Ish up for that. Uh, we'll go Nick. Callie Mike, and then we'll end this opening state or opening segment with Justin. Yeah, I think uh, the last two games, the team has really to- uh, dialed into what Coach Tang and the staff have been preaching, and it's been nice to be back at home with the crowd. And I think the, the Tang said in his uh, press conference after the game, the crowd was unbelievable. And just from the videos on Twitter I've seen, I mean, playing Sandstorm with the lights out is pretty, pretty dope. So uh, excited for these next two games, and let's get ready for Yeah, I, 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 and someone can fact check me. I believe if they take care of business versus Oklahoma next week, I believe that is a Wednesday game. I believe that will be only the second time in Bramlage Coliseum history where they run the entire home campaign, losing just one game, matching, I believe, Bruce Weber's first year at K-State as well. So it's really become a fortress. We'll go Cali Mike, and then, like I said, we'll end this uh, opening topic with Justin. Uh, thanks, Scott. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, it's you know feels a lot better to be on the winning end here, especially with a couple of games that most people would have said – Um, we're going to be more difficult than Tech and OU on the road. Um, But, you know, I think uh, it's it's looking, you know, these last two games, we very much look like the team from early January. Um, The the guys look like maybe the coaching staff has figured out how to rest them a little bit more efficiently during the week. Um, I also think the change in the starting lineup, including Desi Sills, has probably um, added some sort of spark uh, to this team. Um, So you'd like to see consistency, but I think what Coach Tang is finding is that maybe a little bit of change uh, is what's helping this team out uh, headed down the stretch. Definitely. And let's end with uh, K-State basketball's biggest fan, uh, Justin, Justin, what what do you think? You're in Bramlage for both of them. What's your takeaway from uh, those two big? Scott, you got to stop calling me the biggest fan. I'm not the biggest fan. I'm just a fanboy, sunshine pumping fanboy. So get it right, please. My thoughts. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to do better, Justin. I... Thank you, sir. So my thoughts were the Iowa State game, you know, I'm never going to be upset about a win, but it wasn't the type of win I thought we needed after losing as much as we did in late January and early February. 
But last night was like that get right game that I was hoping we'd have against Iowa State. So I said we'd go one and one and we went two and oh. So we outperformed my expectations. And the way we played last night was, you know, Bruce Weber. I know you guys hate me to bring this up, like that magic level. Like we were playing really well in several different phases of the game and it was really fun to watch. And it's also cool to be able to win a game like last night without shooting it well for me on the arc to just be able to do all the other things to grind out a win against a really, really talented team. I'm not going to get mad at you. I remember listening to the Bruce Weber uh, magic press conference, and and that made me smile, so I'm not going to get mad at you. I want to toot my own horn a little bit. If anyone goes back and listens to the episode I had on Monday, I talked about if K-State was going to beat Baylor, they were going to have to dominate inside the paint on offense. And sure enough, we were eating in the paint. So I'm going to toot my own horn, uh, you know, because I don't do that very often. I say that sarcastically. Let's get into the next two games. Uh, you know, it is a road game at Oklahoma State, who is now making a surge to try to cement themselves in the tournament. And then a rematch on senior night in Bramlage Coliseum versus Oklahoma. So we have, uh, you know, the uh, – the, the Bedlam brothers, uh, and this honestly, again, we don't know what the Big 12 schedule is going to be next year. This quite possibly could be the final time Oklahoma basketball comes to Manhattan, Kansas to play K-State. So if senior night wasn't enough motivation for you to get in the building, this is a long-term Big Six rival going all the way back to Nichols Gym type stuff possibly the final time Oklahoma ever comes to Manhattan for a basketball game. Uh, I want to know what you guys are going to be looking for. Uh, Give me a prediction. Uh, Do you think we're going to pick up a road win? Are we going to take care of Oklahoma at home? And then what are you looking to see? We've seen the turnovers come down. We've seen, uh, you know, the defense start to pick up. What are going to be a couple keys that you're really going to be looking for in these next two games as we're getting ever closer to postseason play we're going to start with jimmy jimmy give me your prediction and what are you really going to be looking i'm going to be looking for first of all how how does oklahoma state respond they've lost three straight and they've had three of their worst defensive performances of the season three straight games of at least one point one nine points per possession allowed they gave up a hundred to tcu correct yeah yeah, 1.32 points per possession, 100 points, 87 to KU, 85 to West Virginia. So they are struggling on defense. Two of those were on the road, but still, you don't, you know, they haven't, they only had one other bad game really on defense before that. Uh, two bad games really against Texas and Baylor, and, and those are forgivable. But uh, so, and, and then how do we respond? Uh, Oklahoma State's really good in the paint, um, really good uh, around the rim something that we have struggled with going before the Baylor game. Uh, so, so I'll be watching that. I, I do think Oklahoma's really falling apart. I think we got their best shot, and we obviously didn't give a very good effort in that game. So I, I, I definitely think we're going to beat the Sooners, and I think we probably beat them soundly. I think the Oklahoma State game is like many Big 12 games, and it's going to come down to the last four minutes. I always – you know, my, my gauge for a close game is – What's the score at the end of four? If it's within a possession, that's a close game, even if another team pulls away. I think it's going to come down to that, and I, and I think Keontae and Marquise are back on the upswing. They're going to make plays, and I think, we, I think we're going to go 
this week? I mean, look, it, d- despite what uh, CDOT Harrison and Rob Brenton were saying on 610 today, uh, a two seed is very much still in play for K-State, especially if they can go 2-0 and in this next stretch. Uh, so don't let those random people trying to rag on K-State fans starting to get all hyped uh, get you guys down. I know you're a, you, you kind of fancy yourself as a bit of a bracketologist, Jimmy. Uh, if they do take care of these two games, uh, does that put – am I correct? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Uh, but d- if, if we were to go 2-0 and in these next two, does that put a two-seed in play for K-State on selection? Definitely, definitely. I think we are – we were the fourth three-seed this weekend, and we beat two of the teams ahead of us and possibly could have passed another. So I, I would say we are the first – or second three seed right now, and right on that border of moving up into the two seed line. So I definitely think we're in position to be in the two seed conversation with, you know, it'd probably take four more wins. Uh, I'd say some combination of four more wins, sweep and win the first game in Kansas City or win two out of the next three and win two games in Kansas City, get to the championship game. I think that definitely puts K-State in position for a two seed uh, in March. And, And at worst, at worst, the, the number one or number two, three seed. I love it. Let's go to Ema Elvis next. Ema Elvis, uh, two games with some old school, big seven, big eight foes traveling to Stillwater. Again, we've had some road woes, and then we get the Sooners in Manhattan. Like I said, we don't know the basketball schedule for next year, possibly the final time. Uh, we've played Oklahoma, I believe, if my notes are correct. I believe we have played Oklahoma – I think third or fourth most, there are third or fourth most occurring opponent in the history of the basketball program. Uh, so it could be the final time we uh, play them in Manhattan. So what is your prediction and what are you hoping to see? I'm hoping to see that they remember how they won the last two games. And that secret sauce again was uh, having a, a defense that is smothering, valuing possessions and playing tough basketball. Uh, and I think if they do that, they've got the recipe to continue through the season with a bunch more wins. Um, Keontae scoring early, he said that that helped him loosen up. So get him the ball early, get him to score, uh, and he's found his mid-range jumper too, which helps a lot. So I think we're going to see Marquise and Keontae go off and the rest of the team will be there uh, with all their support, get a couple more W's. I love it. All right, let's go. We'll go Will the Thrill, and then we'll go to Cole. Will, prediction for the battle with the uh, Bedlam brothers. Uh, I, I think it is Saturday, and I think it's our first and only Wednesday Big 12 game uh, versus Oklahoma. So what's your prediction? Where are some keys? What will you be looking for? It's kind of crazy because we've gotten into this uh, Saturday-Tuesday rotation these last few games, so having a Wednesday kind of catch you off guard. Um, <clears throat> what it, With Oklahoma State, what I want to see is matching their physicality. They, we, we've seen them um, time and time again. They're dominant in the paint, as I think Jimmy said, um, but they're also physical. They are super, super physical there in the inside the paint. So I want to see them match that um, – don't even let them in it. You know, if it takes fouls to get them scared, to get them hesitant from trying to draw, then I'm all for that. 
Um, with the Oklahoma game, I think that, uh, I, and I think Jimmy mentioned this as well. Um, we were essentially, they played one of their better games against us. Um, granted, we didn't look great, so can't really make excuses there. But um, I think that as long as we continue with what we've seen the last three quarters, then we will be great. Um, I will say 2-0. and We'll go. There we go. We'll go, uh, we'll go Cole. Then we'll go Nick and then Callie Mike. And then uh, we'll, we'll continue to have Justin uh, end these topics. So, Cole, uh, what do you think, my friend? Um, yeah, I think I like us to take care of business these two games. Um, obviously, OU, senior night, you know, a re- revenge game, everything you said. I think we'll definitely show up that game. And um, hopefully the Cats keep clicking and still water on Saturday. Um, one thing I'm looking for is I'd like to see us go these two games without allowing any 10-0 runs. I saw somewhere that we are the second worst in the conference at allowing 10-0 runs, and I think that will come back to bite us in the tournament if we don't find a way to mitigate. Yeah, I, I believe I believe yesterday was the sixth game uh, in conference play that we've given up a 10-0 or worse run. Um, so that's a good call out, and that'll be something I keep an eye on as well. So good call out, Cole. Uh, we'll go Nick, then Cal. Uh, I can't remember what I said last week, but um, for this week and the next two games, I think 2-0, man. Dubs finish out the regular season and uh, get ready. There you go, Callie Mike. What what are you feeling out there in the Bay Area? Um, I I think that um, you know what Colorado Cole said is a good point about limiting those ten zero runs. Um, I can't say that we are a team that is going to overcome that necessarily, but what I like. Um, about what coach Tang said last night in the post-game presser is that, you know, they had that run uh, that Baylor put on them. And then the team themselves came up with a solution in the locker room at halftime that the coaches didn't point out and they let them make the change, whatever that was. And it obviously worked in the second half. Um, So I see tremendous growth in this team. Um, I see them being rested and I see us going two and oh. No doubt. I'm glad you brought that up. And and before we we uh, end with Justin, uh, Tang bringing that up that that really says a lot of things uh, to me about Jerome Tang and the coaching staff. Uh, and these are the two things. Uh, the first one is that they have enough confidence in their team that if they see something and they say something, they're willing to say, "All right, this is what you guys see. This is what you guys want. This is what you think we should do." Let's do it. And then he's also confident enough in himself and the staff to just straight up say that in post-game press conferences. I think there are a lot of coaches out there, and you don't get to these high positions in coaching without a little bit of an ego. The fact that he just presented that up without any prompting, just saying, hey, look, 
the credit needs to go to these guys. They saw something, they brought it up, and we went with it. I think that says a lot about uh, you know his confidence in himself, but also the lack of ego in this K-State basketball program. And I think that says a lot about Jerome Tang, the man, and this team. Uh, we'll go to Justin next to finish us off. Justin, what do you think is going to happen in these two games? What are you going to be looking I think we're going to go 2-0. I think the team learned through that rough stretch that they can't relax. You just can't. And they're not going to. They're going to keep the foot on the pedal and keep it going. And to add on to what you guys were talking about, what Tang said about taking the advice of his players, it does say a lot about him and the coaching staff. But I feel like it also says something about the players because one of the comments that he also added was that a lot of times players want to make suggestions or make changes because it's easier for them. But it was clear to him that they weren't saying, this is what we see, let's try this because it was easier. It was because it was the right thing to do. So that tells you how well-prepared those guys are. And I just think it shines light on, you know, the coaching staff, but the players as well. I love it. All right, the next one, this is going to be a fun one because this was a big topic. It's been a big topic in uh, Kansas City Sports Talk Radio uh, this week because, you know, starting to move on from the the Chiefs. You know, they're getting ready for – uh, Kansas City Royals spring training, but there has been more college basketball talk this week in Kansas City than any other week the entire year. And the topic is who should be the Big 12 coach of the year. Now, uh, there's a funny antidote, and if it was brought up on uh, the broadcast last night, I missed it. But uh, during Jason Anderson's show on 810 today, he said that Greg Gurley actually was blowing up Fran Fraschilla's phone basically calling him out for not giving Bill Self enough love uh, to talk when talking about Big 12 Coach of the Year. Fran Fraschilla said that Jerome Tang, Rodney Terry, and TJ Otzelberg were his top three for that award. And then, of course, during the broadcast, Greg Gurley just couldn't help himself and apparently sent 15 text messages to Fran Fraschilla while he was on air on the broadcast, uh, basically going at him for not bringing up Bill Self. I think that is just a funny antidote to kind of pointing out how, uh, you know, for a basketball program, the stature KU has, how uh, insecure they are in their own skin that the official color guy for KU basketball is blowing up an ESPN uh, two broadcasters phone for not bringing up Bill Self. That said, antidotes out of the way, there's been a lot of talk about this award. There's been a lot of talk about Drum Tang possibly being the national coach of the year. But again, you know, there's some, I, I think Rodney Terry, great job in the Big 12. Hell, I, I don't like it any more than you guys, but I think Bill Self has done a great job this year. So I just want to hear your guys' take. If you had a vote for the award, who would you give it to and why? We'll go with uh, Jimmy. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a good discussion and it's a good, I mean, I think it's easy for us as K-State fans because we're close to K-State to, to uh, just kind of push off the Bill Self talk. I think the Rodney Terry talk is understandable given the circumstances. Um, the Bill Self talk, I think, has some legitimacy because they did lose a lot of guys, but they still have 
you know, they brought in a recruiting class that had four top 50 players, three top 30 players. Um, so part of me is like, you know, you give Bill Self talent, eventually he's going to make it work. And you kind of expect him to at this point. Like Bill Self has never had a bad season. And so uh, for him to uh, kind of slough off a, a, a string where they lost three out of four games, which they've only done like four or five times in his whole career at KU, and then, you know, really turn it around and pick it up. And, you know, I, I thought Monday night was a sign of Bill Self at his best going to TCU. TCU's pretty much at full strength, and they just pretty much hold TCU at bay and win that game in the last four minutes. Uh, but given what Jerome Tang inherited, given that he's never been a head coach, uh, given that you had, no, you had major question marks about Keontae Johnson, um, how he's managed that player and, and brought the best out of him and brought the best out of really all the players he brought in. Um, I think J- Jerome Tang is, the, is a slam dunk. I, I don't think it's a knock on Bill Self at all in, in the job he's done or even Rodney Terry. Rodney Terry inherited the most, one of the most experienced teams in the country. So I, I do think he's done a good job, but that system was in place with um, with Chris Beard at the beginning of the season and, and to start the non-conference. So Rodney Terry just kind of had to maintain it. Now you got to give him credit for that, but I'm not going to give him enough credit to make him coach of the year uh, unless they somehow win the big 12. If in three weeks they win the big 12 title outright, I might change my mind on that. But if they finish second or third, which I think they probably will, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose all three of their last three games. Uh, I think it's Jerome Tang and then Bill Self is second. I love it. We'll go to Ema Elvis and then Will next. Ema Elvis, who's your vote going to and why? I think if you look at this from a distance and take take K State fans out of it, because we are we are close to it, and it's it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. But if you look at it and and you see a guy who's never been a head coach before except for high school 20 years ago in a three game stretch as an interim at Baylor's he likes to remind folks something oh that's right uh but he comes in and there are two guys left in the program and he he adds 13 to the roster they play together for about four or five months and they're already at 21 wins and they already lead the nation in wins against ranked teams. That is impressive as hell to me. And so I, my vote is for Jerome Tang because he did something in year one that most people thought might take two or three or four years to do. I love it. I love it. And, and truthfully, I, I agree with, with all the Jerome Tang stuff. And it is interesting to hear some of the back and forth here in Kansas City. And, hell, even some talk amongst K-State fans on Twitter as well. So that's why I decided this would be a good topic. We'll go to Will next. Will, what are your My thoughts are I'm glad that I don't have to actually vote on this because it's such a hard vote. I mean, you do have three coaches that have had – well – take that back a lot. I mean, just the big 12 in general, the coaches have been great, but with Terry um, Tang and self, um, 
it, it's just I, I would have to look at the criteria on it because you could make an argument that self um, after that three game slump has turned the team around and you know at the, they're at the top of the league. So I've seen arguments where you can't just because a coach has brought a team to the middle of the pack, why should they deserve the coach of the year? But, and like the others have mentioned, we, we get spoiled by seeing the inside information that a lot of people don't. So of course we're going to hold it to a higher regard, but if you take the whole body of all of them, it's, it's hard not to say Tang because, you know, we were picked last. Um, There were only two players left. Everyone else transferred out. He had a blank slate, and he had to build off that. The other two coaches in question haven't had to do that. So that's why I would. All right, we'll go Cole and then Callie. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say something that hasn't already been said, but it's very clear you can make an argument for a handful of coaches. I mean, you got to give Bill Self some credit for what he's done this year, despite, you know, having all the chips in his corner. Um, And I feel like, in a way, it Bill Self has almost kind of coached himself out of these conversations by being so consistent. Uh, you know, just having great teams consistently. Um, but, I mean, if I had to vote, biased, not aside, I'm going to vote for Tang. Um, but it's impossible to say now because even though there's three games left, it just feels like the Big 12 as a whole has been all over the place this year. It seems like I feel like by time the regular season is over, we'll have a a more clear – picture of who who truly is the yeah i I hear you there i I think bill self has won the award six times but scott drew has won uh the last three years and he has uh either performed exactly to the preseason poll or overachieved by two slots on, on one of those tries so it is interesting to see how the vote has been divvied out over all these years. Here's a fun trivia question if you're talking conference coach of the year. The last time that Coach K won the ACC coach of the year was 2000. And if you look at some of the coaches who are even multiple-time winners uh, from 2000 to 2022, see that Coach K uh, did not win it during that time frame. It is actually pretty funny. So if you need a little chuckle before bed, go look that up. We'll go Nick, Callie, Mike, and then we'll end with Justin uh, before we have a fun question that I think we'll finish the night off. So uh, everybody's cop out is Tang. Um, but I will take things a little different and go a different route. Um, this may be a hot take, but uh, it is what it is. Kind of want to see everybody's reaction. I think Scott Drew, maybe, just in the sense of losing his top assistant and still consistently producing uh, a winnable season. So um, that's my two cents. Obviously, it's going to be Tang, but um, that was just kind of a thought of, oh, see what Drew is doing without. 
See, that's a nice little, uh, you know, uh, almost like a backhanded thing to Scott Drew. Hey, Coach Tang actually was the secret sauce, and you're still doing all right without him. I like that, Nick. That 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 made me smile. Uh, we'll go Callie Mike, and then we'll end with Justin. Man, uh, Coffee Fiend, I like that too. I was getting ready to send a boo gif in the chat, you know, as you teed it up, but uh yeah you you pulled it around there and made it a compliment to tang so props to you um i think you know i'll i'll just repeat you know quickly what everyone said here i I think uh you really just have to look at the fact that we were projected to finish last and had two players coming back and that pretty much says it all for tang like to do what we've done with those two factors how can you argue anything else? I mean, it's it's just basically plain. And then we will end with our guy, Justin, who has been uh, wrapping us up on all these topics very eloquently. The self-proclaimed uh, super fan boy, sunshine pumping status man. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Get it right. I ain't going to say it no more. All right, so I think you can make an argument for Texas's coach with everything that's gone on with their program this year. You can always make an argument for Bill Self. He is so consistent, so I do see why he doesn't win it every single year because he pretty much hits his target all the time. But I do think it's going to be Tang for the reasons that everybody said already, and then you throw in he's like, You know how Frank was a media darling. Jerome Tang has that clearly already in year one with the media. Then you throw in, you know, the Keontae Johnson storyline. That makes it a heartwarming thing, too. Just kind of seems like a no-brainer with what everybody said here, plus how great Tang comes off in the media. I absolutely love it. Ultimately, I think he should and will win it. It will be interesting to see. Uh, Does he win any of these national coach of the year awards as well? All right. The final, well, maybe the final question. We'll see how long we stick on this. This is another interesting one. Uh, We will not have a live show next week because the K-State game is on Wednesday. So this is the last live show we will have before the Big 12 tournament tips off. And this is always an interesting question that I like to ask. This is something I like to talk about because this kind of hits one of these niche topics that really uh, pique my interest. And that is the Big 12 tournament and the uh, status or the value that K-State fans are putting on this tournament this year. Uh, Coach Tang talked a lot about uh, getting the legs back. You see the mentions on the uh, on Twitter, on message boards about saying, hey, you know, let's have an early exit and get ready for the tournament that really matters. I say that kind of with a little bit of a sarcastic tone. Um, And everyone has always enjoyed getting Iowa State's goat a little bit because they do treat the Big 12 tournament uh, like it has the same status as a regular season uh, Big 12 championship. So I'm going to ask you guys this, how much emphasis do you want to see Jerome Tang and this program put into the Big 12 tournament here in a couple weeks? Do you want them to go all out, balls to the wall, win at all cost? 
you want to see them take a measured approach and get ready for the NCAA tournament? Or do you wish conference tournaments weren't even a thing anymore? I know I love it being in Kansas City, but I'm interested in hearing your guys' takes on the Big 12 tournament as a whole. I'm going to go to Jimmy. I think I know where he's going to go with this one, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, Let's hear what you have. First of all, the Big 12 tournament is a fantastic event, and um, I, I, I love it. I love going. I love the, just the mix of fans, all that stuff. Uh, I, I am very curious to see how we approach it. I would like to see a Big 12 championship, conference championship, and the tournament in my lifetime. Uh, we haven't won one since the 70s, uh, so I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm interested to see Tang's approach because it does not seem like Drew – Drew made two – I think Drew has made two Big 12 Conference Championship uh, games but never won it. So they had multiple early bow-outs. Um, so I, that, that's, that's a curiosity to me. I did go back and, and I, I went back to every Big 12 Championship game since the tournament has, has – since the league has been the form we have it now. And about half those teams have made the second weekend that made the championship game, and about half of them have lost in the first round. So it's kind of a mix on how often and when they go out. Um, I would like to see us, you know, like I said, my goal is for us to win three more games. So if we need to win one game or two games in the tournament to get to that, to, to put ourselves in position for a two seed, that's what I want us to do. But I don't necessarily – my, my thing is I don't want to lose the first round, make sure we, we win on Thursday. We're pretty much out of Wednesday, and I really don't want to lose to KU again. So those are my two main goals, uh, and I'd love to beat Iowa State in the Big 12 tournament as well. Yes, that would be fun. Uh, you say we haven't won it since the 70s. Didn't we win it in 81? Yeah, I think 81. I, was, I knew it was way back when. I knew yeah, it's been I mean, it's, it has been a very long time, but I think 81 was the last time we got it. Um, let's go to Ema Elvis next. Iman Elvis, what sort of value are you putting in this year's rendition of the Big 12? Well, I I love the tournament. Um, I must admit that I have never been, and I I wanted to stay in Kansas City. Uh, I talked to a Kansas City buddy of mine, and uh, he's going to go out and see who loses and and, uh, see how cheap of tickets he can get us, and we're going this year. So, uh, (laughs) But I think for Tang and the gang – He's got that on the whiteboard as one of the goals for this year. So I think they're going to go for it. And I would love to see them work their way into a two seed. I love it. Uh, let's go next to Will the Thrill. Yeah, I, I'm all for it as well. Um, I Iron sharpens iron, so why not? Um, I'm if it's going to get us another, uh, you know, a two seed compared to a three seed, why not? I mean, if you outweigh the pros and cons, the only con is you're going to be less rested. You'll have to have more devotion to what the back end, when you get ready to play um, come March, um, the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I'm all for it. I've only been to one of them. So you're, I'm only one up on you, Emo Elvis. Um, that being said, I would love to go back. Um, so yeah, I, me personally, I would rather um, um, go. 
We'll go next to Colorado Cole next. Colorado Cole, what sort of value are you putting in this year's Big 12 tournament? Yeah, you know, I think you definitely show up and you try to win the games, um, obviously. But I think it means if it means we get a two seed, I think I'd like for us to go on a run. And since it, ha- it hasn't happened in so long, I think we're kind of due for a conference tournament title. Although for me personally, I would probably treat that equivalent on my rankings of how much I care. I think I would put that between a round of 32 and sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. So I'd rather go to the sweet 16 than win in the conference tournament. I'm actually right there with you. Uh, if, if you're doing basketball hierarchy, uh, obviously national championship, uh, number one, uh, getting to the final four is number two. I actually put uh, winning the Big 12 regular season number three, uh, then Elite Eight, Sweet 16, conference tournament title, round of 32, round of 64. So that's kind of how I hierarchy, you know, what I consider, you know, fun accolades. Uh, so I, I like that you threw that in there, Cole. Uh, we'll go Nick, then Callie Mike, and then uh, as we've been doing, we will end with uh, Justin. Uh, growing up, especially in elementary and when got to junior high and high school, uh, one of our teachers, his screen was a projector screen, and he would anytime during – Turning time in both uh, conference and NCAA, uh, he would put the games on during the day uh, when not in class and during lunch, and we would go watch. Uh, so it's kind of hit home to stay in the conference tourney. Um, but I think overall, I think the uh, tournament will add experience to the guys, uh, kind of getting that feel of, hey, this is that's not necessarily a – uh, winning, you're done, or losing, you're done. I mean, they are, but still got the tur- big tournament, but it gives them that tournament-esque of, okay, win in advance, win in advance. So I think it's going to give them experience. Um, other than that, uh, it's going to be nice to be able to win it this year and uh, carry on to the NCAA. There you go. We'll go to Cali Mike, and then uh, we'll finish up with Justin. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much on the same page with most people here. I would not go balls to the wall and put all your ducks into this thing. Um, You know, obviously getting a win or two in that tournament is helpful uh, for our seating and whatnot. Um, But you don't want to, I don't, I don't think you want to put it in the players' heads that they have to do this um, because, you know, if that's their mindset and they go in and they lose to like some, you know, buster team like Iowa state or something um, that might affect their mindset going into the NCAA tournament. So um, I wouldn't put a ton of of effort into this thing, but you know, if we run it, then that's amazing. Do it. There you go. And then we'll go to Justin. And then uh, since we still have a little bit time before we hit that hour, I will quickly start brainstorming a fun Wild card question, rapid fire. So the Big 12 tournament's fun. Um, 
it's cool as a fan because if your team does really well, then you can like, you know, retroactively like put some extra value on it and how, how awesome it is that we went far in the tournament or won it. And if they get bounced out early, it's just, you know, a, a postseason tournament that probably doesn't mean much. But I can guarantee you that it matters to Jerome Tang. I guarantee you he has win the conference tournament as one of the checklist items that we've seen on that banner all year long. So if it matters to him, it's a big deal. And it should matter to the guys too, because he, he's not worried about resting guys for March. He's still worrying about building his culture. And I think that's how he's probably always going to be. So I don't see there's any way we don't go into Kansas city trying to win the entire thing. Now, Scott, I'm going to flip the script and I have a question for you and you are a really good talker. So you should easily be able to fill the next eight minutes with the answer to this question. I saw on Twitter last night that you were having a little Bramlage Coliseum FOMO and then you quickly backtracked and you're like, oh, never mind. I'm glad I'm home. But tell us the truth, Scott. You know you wish you could have been there last night. You know you wish you could have seen Sandstorm with phones out. 100%. 100%. Just I, I did say that. We went on that run to get up by 10. Then that was followed by the 21 to 3. So then I'm like, man, now, now, I'm, now I'm glad I wasn't there. Now, not an official Scott Wildcat reverse jinx that has been retired. Uh, but but the, 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 there's a little bit of like, okay, I say something. We immediately go on a uh, bad run, so I need to kind of combat that a little bit. Again, the official Scott Wildcat reverse jinx retired forever. Um, I retired it twice in the last 365 days. I'm sticking to it. But I do have a little bit of that in the back of my head. If I say anything like too positive, shit starts hitting the fan. All right, I need to say something negative. Uh, to balance the karmic. So that 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 is uh, where that came from. I, I did have uh, FOMO, though. It, it looked like a fun night. Shout out to the secret day job. Okay, uh, here's how we're going to end the show. Uh, you guys can get as creative with this as you want, or you can say, Scott, this is stupid. But this is going to be the 599th episode of Bosco's, Bosco's Boys, 599. Uh, and I, I usually... I uh, like to say how much I love the boneheads and everyone, but uh, since this is five ninety nine and not six hundred five ninety nine, I'm dedicating this episode to all the haters of Bosco's boys and of myself. Uh, we've been called grifters. There's uh, now one uh, drunkard on Twitter who loves to get inebriated and talk shit on Twitter. Uh, there's been a couple of those actually throughout the almost five years at this point. Uh, but I just want to dedicate this episode to all the haters of which there are many. So I want you guys to give a shout out either to a personal hater. It can be maybe your rival from third grade or a hater of K-State. Uh, you know, some people who do podcasts for the athletic. I don't care. Get as creative with this as you like. Or and this might be ch- tough for Jimmy because he's the nicest person in the world. He has no haters He doesn't have time for any haters. Or you can just take this 30 seconds to say whatever you want. But that's how I'm going to end this. I'm dedicating this episode to all the haters of Bosco's boys. Jimmy, you're not one of them. You can give a shout-out of one of your own personal haters or a hater of K-State or whatever. Uh, The first two shout-outs. The first one is uh, anybody that roots for KU basketball and K-State football or Nebraska football or anything like that, that's just obnoxious and wrong. Uh, 
Um, I will say uh, he's not a hater, but uh, I did enjoy uh, retweeting Cyclone Larry when he said at halftime, how much are we going to blow them out by? And then we came back and beat the Cyclones. Um, I, I enjoy Cyclone Larry on Twitter. Some of you guys may know who he is. So I'll say that one. And then, then I will say I'm remiss. We did win the 2020 Big 12 tournament. That I forgot is about true. That 2020 Big 12 tournament championship. So I'm, I'm glad you, you got that. Uh, we'll go next to Ema Elvis. Ema Elvis, you can shout out. All right. I'm just trying to think of uh, the next theme song for the haters, uh, a rhyme that goes with step in our dog poop. <laughs> well, you're, you're a very talented man when it comes to the. I owe you one. All right. Uh, we'll go next to Will the. Th- or no, we'll go Colorado Colvin. Uh, yeah, uh, I will shout out, um, my fiance was hating on me cause I didn't rinse off my dish before I put it in the sink just now. Um, but for real, uh, <clears throat> probably the worst tweet I saw of the day was from Jeff Ketchum or whatever his name is that Texas reporter or whatever he is um that guy is probably one of the biggest losers i've ever encountered on the internet and i cannot believe that he somehow makes a living about having opinions so shout out that guy he is a massive loser there you go uh that probably is uh one of the worst haters and losers on Twitter. So that's a great shout out. Uh, we'll go to Will next, then Nick, then Callie Mike, then we're ending with Chuck. So I am going to have to give a shout out to one of them that is on Twitter. Um, I fell for his clickbait recently um, where he wanted to passively, aggressively dog Bosco boys. And I don't take that. So. I, like I said, I accidentally fell for it and took the bait, but, uh, Monty Putnam, this shout out is to you. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Monty. He, he loves, he loves to, uh, he loves to talk shit. Um, that's all right. You know what? I hope Monty, I, I truthfully hope Monty is having a great 2022. Uh, we'll go to Nick, Callie, Mike, and then Justin. Uh, nothing creative here. Jimmy took mine. Uh, Cyclone Larry. It's just the fact that they think that we think Iowa State is our Super Bowl. And even in football, they can't even get the 10 wins is pretty, pretty saddening. So um, still truly love looking at the Cyclone Larry tweets and just shaking my head every time I read it. Yes, and I I have been uh I have been called out. I hope Monty's having a great 2023. So thank you folks for getting me right on board. Uh Callie Mike, any haters you want to give a shout out to? Uh yeah, I'll shout out uh Nate and Katie because he's a piece of shit and I still hate him for trying to go at Xavier Sneed in the past. Uh he's he's an asshole. Nothing wrong with that one. That's that's a great one. Justin, uh, send us home. 
And some of these shout outs have me rolling, guys. This was great. Thank you. I don't really have a specific hater to call out, but to anybody who hates the hates the Bosco's boys, fuck you. There we go. That's that's a great way to end the 599th episode. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure this little ending segment will make someone on Twitter mad, but that's okay. No one needs to tell them. I'm sure they'll find out. But uh, truthfully, I hope all the haters, except for, I think except for Geoff, I think even Nate Bucati, I'll give a pass. But everyone except for Geoff, I truthfully hope you have a great 2023. Um, Yeah, and that's all we have. Um, Next episode is going to be 600. That one will be dedicated to all the lovers and supporters of Bosco's Boys. Uh, But this one dedicated to the haters. Uh, Thank you for all your time and energy spent inside of your head. All right, that's all we have tonight. Uh, Two back-to-back massive top 20 wins. Uh, Big one on the road on Saturday. Can we get right away from Bramlage? Uh, There will be no live show next week. Um, I'm working on an interview episode that will take the place of it. Uh, Otherwise, we might just have two episodes next week. We will be coming live uh, two weeks from now during that opening night of the Big 12 tournament. So anyone who isn't going down for the Wednesday games at the T-Mobile Center, we will have a live show during probably the end of game one as game two is tipping off. Uh, So yeah, until then, I hope everyone has a great time. Shout out to Chauncey, the best dog in the world. Shout out to the Boneheads the best podcast fans in the world. And of course, shout out to the haters. We love you guys. It's time to get set for the cat attack. Network.